Hello, and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, the show that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Call, coming to y'all once again from the Southern Studio. Did you catch that? Y'all. Remember to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter, and the Instagram, and of course the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash how good it is pod and please consider supporting the show as a patron for just five bucks a month you get the weekly newsletter with the week's music news a little bit of my opinion and the history calendar click the link on the website or point your browser to patreon.com slash how good it is i've got some trivia for ye that's probably going to be a hard one but i guess you never know Tell me, what do these artists have in common? They are Nazareth, UB40, Manfred Mann's Earth Band, the Fugees, and Soft Cell. There's something that they have in common, and I will give you the caveat that this answer is kind of U.S.-centric, so if you're not in the U.S., you're probably going to have a tougher time with this one. But those five bands all have something in common. Nazareth, UB40, Manfred Mann's Earth Band, the Fugees, and soft sell. What could it be? What could it be? I'll have that answer at the end of the show. This time around, we are looking at the only recording that's reached the number one slot on the Billboard Hot 100 twice in different years. But by now, you probably know that the story doesn't start there. In fact, we have to go way back to before the Civil War. Songs that involve doing a twist of some kind date back to the 1840s, believe it or not. This is called The Grapevine Twist, and it was a series of dance steps from the blackface minstrel era. Listen to the cadence of this for a moment, and I'm going to see you on the other side. Now, over the years, it evolved into a square dance series, which means the tempo um, sped up a little bit. So if you go to a square dance and the band plays Grapevine Twist, and yes, it is still possible to encounter it, you're likely to find yourself dancing to something akin to this rather than the original slower tempo. As we move into the ragtime era of the 1920s and 30s, the word twist started to take on a little bit more of a double entendre status as it does in this recording from Jelly Roll Morton in 1938's Wine and Boy Blues. Specifically, we get the line, Mama Mama, look at sis, she's out on the levee doing the double twist, which refers to both dancing and sex. Don't And all of this is background to the song we know so well, and weirdly, 
Like so many songs we know well, the origins are a little bit murky. The original recording that picked up some popularity comes from the band Hank Ballard and the Midnighters. Now, Midnighters guitarist Cal Green has said in interviews that they got the basic idea from brother Joe Wallace from a gospel group called the Sensational Nightingales, who was unable to record the song himself, because of his position as a church leader. However, in an interview with rock historian Tom Maros, lead singer Lawson Smith says that while the song did come from the Sensational Nightingales, it was actually written by someone named Nathaniel Bills. Now try to follow this sequence. In 1955, Clyde McFadder and the Drifters had recorded this song called What You're Gonna Do. What You're Gonna Do peaked at number two for two non-consecutive weeks on the Billboard chart, so it's fair to say that this song was well-known. In fact, it was known enough that in 1957, Ballard used the chord patterns for this song called Is Your Love For Real? So far as I've been able to determine, this song did not chart for the Midnighters. Uh, so I guess they didn't have a lot of qualms about repeating the song patterns again. And I don't want you thinking that I'm condemning what they did. After all, it's pretty common to write stuff that has a strong echo with what's come before. What's more, there are certain rock and roll chord progressions and devices that seem to be just kind of out there in the universe for anyone to use. And it's that kind of mentality that led to Brian Wilson borrowing so heavily from Chuck Berry when he wrote Surf in USA. At any rate, they had the lyrics from some member of the Sensational Nightingales, and they had their own music, which they had uh, <clears throat> borrowed from the Drifters, and they Frankensteined together a new song called The Twist. In 1958, they put together a rather loose recording for VJ Records with lyrics that are slightly different from the ones we know. declined to release the record and the only reason you're hearing it now is because it finally appeared in the History of VJ box set in 1993. Meanwhile, Hank Ballard and his band went back to King Records, made some changes including making the guitar less prominent and re-recorded the song. The song was released in 1959 as the B-side to a song called Teardrops on Your Letter, but Baltimore disc jockey and TV personality Buddy Dean flipped the record over and decided that that was the better track and started playing it, and he recommended the song to Dick Clark. Now here's where the stories diverge a little bit. By all accounts, Dick Clark liked the song, 
but there's one account that says Ballard wasn't available when Clark tried to book him on American Bandstand, and there's another account that says he was reluctant to book Ballard because so many of his other songs had potentially raunchy material. What is known is that Clark arranged for the song to be re-recorded at the Cameo Parkway label in Philadelphia, using studio musicians and a guy who sounded a lot like Hank Ballard named Ernest Evans. And that's what they did. They recorded it in the same key, the same tempo, and Evans even managed to mimic a lot of Ballard's little verbal idiosyncrasies in his recording. There are some minor changes in the instrumentation, namely the addition of a saxophone played by Buddy Savitt, but that's about it. Now, before Clark released the record, he decided that he needed to come up with a stage name for Ernest Evans. The answer came from his wife, who suggested a takeoff of Fats Domino's name. And so it was that the name Chubby Checker was born. Backup singing was provided by a vocal group called The Dream Lovers, and they debuted the song in Wildwood, New Jersey in July of 1960. Uh, Dick Clark subsequently promoted the record on both Bandstand and the Dick Clark Saturday Night Show, including a live performance on the Saturday Night program on August 6th that year, and the song was off to the top of the charts, making it to the number one slot on Billboard the week of September 19th, 1960. Now, to be sure, it dropped about as quickly as it climbed, but these things are going to happen now and again. But here's the thing. First, you had the dance itself, which Chubby Checker has described as a combination of trying to put out a cigarette with your feet while simultaneously trying to dry your backside with a towel. That made the dance easy to do for everybody, so it bridged the generation gap all by itself like that. The other thing is that the twist, the dance that is, popularized non-contact dancing. That's not to say that that didn't exist previously. The Stroll and the Madison are non-contact dances, but they definitely didn't catch on the way the twist did. So while the song dropped off the charts quickly, it also started a craze of twist records. Checker followed up the next summer with Let's Twist Again, and in the meantime, you had Joey D and the Starlighters Peppermint Twist. There was Twistin' the Night Away by Sam Cooke. Uh, of course, the Isleys gave us Twist and Shout, and these are just a few of the Twist titles that were out there. There were easily, easily a couple of dozen Twist records that made it into the charts. The Twist got so popular that it broke into the ranks of higher society, and sightings of celebrities doing the Twist became popular in the gossip columns. So it prompted Cameo Parkway to release the record again in the winter of 1961, and again it went to the top of the charts. That makes it the only non-Christmas song to top the Billboard chart on two separate chart runs with the same recording. Of course, it didn't hurt that Chubby Checker performed a medley of The Twist and Let's Twist Again on The Ed Sullivan Show. 1962 would also be the first time the song charted in the UK. Chubby Checker has re-recorded the song a few times, including a 1982 version he called T82. So far as I know, that one wasn't released as a single. The only single from that album, which, which was titled The Change Has Come, was a great little progressive track called Harder Than Diamond. But at the time, his audience was only interested in having him do the hits, and both the album and the single disappeared pretty quickly. In 1988, Chubby Checker teamed up with rap artist The Fat Boys to do a rap version of the song, which made it to number 16 in the United States, number 2 in the UK, 
and number one in Germany and Switzerland. And of course, there's a video associated with it, and I'm going to link to that at the website because it's just so much great 1980s fun. Okay, one more little bit of pop culture for you. The television show Quantum Leap features a character named Sam who travels through time, inhabiting people's bodies until he can correct some flaw in history. The show often played with Sam bumping into real-life characters and having some long-lasting effect on them. For instance, in one episode, Sam saves the life of a choking man who turns out to be Dr. Heimlich. In a second-season episode, Sam is a disc jockey in Peoria, Illinois, when he bumps into Chubby Checker and inadvertently teaches him the twist. Sam, you gonna see this? What is it? Alex? It is. It's Chubby Checker. Chubby Checker. I can't believe shit. What are you? Do I know you? Friend of yours? Uh, Sam. Uh, yes, it's Chubby Checker. Huh? Come on, baby. Let's do the twist. The twist. Come on, it's a pretty good demo, but I was just telling him I don't think it's really, it really has what it takes. Wow, that's great. Say, can I borrow that for my act? Oh, uh, sure. I mean, but I, I, I got it from, from you. Sam, Sam, if you want this station to be number one, tell her to play that demo. If you want this station to be number one, you got to play this demo. That's good. I like that. Okay, I'll give it a play. I mean, assuming I can still play rock and roll after the council meeting. Believe me, nobody's gonna pass a law banning rock and roll. Unfortunately, this particular episode is set in 1959 and Chubby Checker hadn't recorded the song yet, but those little history kisses the show does are always kind of fun. And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you what these artists have in common, and we had Nazareth, UB40, Manfred Mann's Earth Band, the Fugees, and Soft Cell? Well, the answer is that in the U.S., they're considered one-hit wonders. What's more, that one hit was a cover of another artist's work. Love Hurts was a big hit for Nazareth, but years earlier, it was Roy Orbison who led the charge. UB40 had a huge hit in Red Red Wine, which was a hit for Neil Diamond previously. Manfred Mann's Earth Band absolutely burned up the charts with Blinded by the Light, a song which managed to pretty much eclipse Bruce Springsteen's version. The Fugees scored with Killing Me Softly with his song, which we talked about way back in episode 38 as a huge hit for Roberta Flack. And finally, Tainted Love was Soft Cell's remarkably faithful cover of an old Gloria Jones B-side from 1964. Now, as I said up front, this list is kind of US-centric since most of these artists had other top 10 hits in the UK, but it's not like you weren't warned. USA! 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 
And that is a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe leave a rating or ooh, a review. Wow, that'd be great somewhere. And now you can support the show over at patreon.com slash howgooditis. If you want to get in touch with the show, email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditis. And frankly, I'm a little more responsive on the social media than I am in the email. Um, you can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod, or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits, including a Fat Boys video. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show, and next time around, we're going to find out how good it is when you encounter a candle in the wind. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.